Assassin's Others. I appreciate you tuning in. I'm your host Vlad Hu and today we're going to talk to my guest Andres Sikcha on the topic of focus. How to stay mindful, how to stay consistent and how to achieve results in your SaaS business and outperform all of your competitors. Here's a quick short clip from the episode just so you can get a taste of it. It's better to be good at one thing than mediocre at many. So do the product that you're building and the solution you're building, do it good. Be the leader on that. Be the one that everybody goes to. And once you have captured that market, even if this is a small market, you can go wider. As you can probably guess, today's conversation is a lot, not about small tactics, but the overall strategy, how to approach it with a strong mindset and win the game. With that said, let's jump to the episode. This episode is sponsored by the SaaS Insiders Studio. We help SaaS founders build their minimum viable products, MVPs, launch quickly, find a product market fit, and grow from there. SaaS Insiders Studio works with non-technical founders that are on the pre-seed or seed stage to help them execute on their product vision. To learn more, go to my LinkedIn profile that you can find in the description to this episode and shoot me a direct message there. All right, let's jump straight into today's episode. SaaS Insiders, I welcome you to this episode of our show. Today with me, I have Andres Sikcha and his company, Tari. And today we're going to talk a little bit more about his journey in SaaS business, a bit more the meaning of his company, the values, because to this founder, Sassan Sarger, this is really a special thing, the company that he's building. With that said, Andres, I welcome you to the show. Good morning, Vlad. Good morning, everybody. Well, it's good morning here. Uh, thank you for the opportunity and uh, look forward to sharing the journey and any specifics that might be helpful to other founders. So thank you for this. For those who might not know you yet, if you could give like one or two minute introduction of who you are, who you are what you're working on, where you're coming from. Certainly. Uh, Andres, I'm originally from Ecuador, South America, uh, hence the equator. Uh, I've been in the States 17 years, so this is home. Recently became a citizen last year, so now really is home. Uh, have a wife and a daughter, and I've been very fortunate to do, do a lot of industries, uh, experience in, from logistics, CPG, manufacturing, IoT, and lastly, SaaS. Uh, I became an entrepreneur a few years ago after I got exposed to a bunch of entrepreneurs, and I was like, this is my journey. This is my time. Let's do it. Decided to build Tardy, uh, you know, uh, one year, a little bit more than a year ago, and uh, it's been a journey, uh, to say the least. Uh, Tardy, uh, the goal is empowering everyone to speak up in meetings. One of the biggest issues uh, that we have actually in, in today's uh, workplace is that we spend 50% of our time in meetings. Meetings are where business happen, uh, where decisions are made, where contributions are taken, where ideas you know, are kind of born. If you, if, if an organization is not able to take the diversity from thought, from perspective, and from background, then they are missing out on all these, uh, you know, wonderful experience and, and ideas and contributions that these people could bring. 
and I'm not just talking about racial or uh, gender, you know, diversity. I'm talking about diversity of thought, diversity of background. So that's what we uh, are doing, and our goal is to really empower organizations to leverage that that potential from is from the diverse background uh, workforce, but also help leaders measure those, the DEI initiatives that they have. There is a big gap between uh, what DEI initiatives are focusing on currently. The, the main focus is hiring and retention, but there is a massive gap, which is the engagement. Uh, somebody was asking me the other day, he's like, who's, who's your competitor? I was like, surveys, <laughs> because that's how we currently polls people and how we think that people can give us uh, you know, uh, an understanding of how they are feeling. And let's be honest, surveys are not very efficient. So that's what we're, our goal is to do. So I guess that will be a, a little bit of what Tari does. I know we, we spoke about it briefly off air that Tari is, means something in your native language. Could you elaborate on that? Because I think it has some special meaning to you as well. Yeah, certainly. So being from Ecuador, my ancestors certainly were the Incas. And whenever I was starting to build a company and choosing names, I wanted to do say something and have a story behind that, not just a cool name. And maybe sometimes it's a little hard to say, but uh, Tari, it means gathering uh, in, in Quechua uh, and obviously meetings. But interestingly enough, as we were kind of focusing, you know, on, on these uh, inclus inclusiveness in meetings, I kind of came back to the to what Tari meant and the deeper meaning of the word, because as you understand, as you might know, you know, Quechua is a very complex language. The, the deeper meaning is bringing things to the way that they were intended. And to me, that empowered me even more to bring equality and justice to the workplace in the way that it should have been. And I think it's time. So that's where we are. Really cool. Who do you think are the, um, the perfect customers for Tari? Like what, what kind of company needs Tari? Everybody. <laughs> Everybody. But, uh, you know, our, our go-to-market strategies focus on, on, on these elements. Having worked for enterprises all my career, I and actually I have worked for small businesses, medium businesses and startups. I feel that I have the, uh, a deeper perspective and, and actually an insight of, of the inefficiencies. And the larger the organization is, the bigger the problem becomes. In the efficiency, no, not because it's large, but because you have workforce that is spread out, uh, because there is systems and there is a lot of knowledge that sometimes is not sure. It just becomes, you know, there is actually a lot of document, uh, a lot of research that shows that you know, large organizations spend over the they actually did the IBM with 23,000 people, they were spending $100 million in meetings. So anyways, going back to, to that, I think that there is a, an important element to say that larger organizations are the ones that need our solution. But also, we focus on software or technology and finance. And the reason why, again, you know, I could explain is because those are the companies or the organizations that have the most people at desks or doing, you know, like work, office work. You know, you go to manufacturing, obviously you have a lot of people in factories and other elements. So the larger inefficiencies are in these organizations. And again, the the, the more, the these type of organizations are the ones that have the most meetings. So going back to, to who needs our solution is 
release organizations that one want to make sure that they empower everybody to feel welcome and to feel part of the organization and two organizations actually care about their initiatives and how they are producing yesterday i was talking to somebody and it's like they asked me the perfect way, the same question is like is i we choose usually choose leaders that are actually that care about people and you know you can tell me well everybody cares about people and it's like not necessarily you know if you are mandating everybody to come back to the office maybe those are not my perfect customer because again they are just thinking about the the, the their side of the picture without considering the side of the worker so we usually address companies that are in this hybrid kind of modality because again uh it it allows people to have more freedom to have a different, you know, balance of, of life. But so that shows that organizations care for them. Okay. Okay. One thing that's really uh, interesting is to talk about uh, enterprise sales in SaaS because not many people do it and many have relevant experience. And we'll, we'll get back to this in just a couple of minutes. I'd like you to share with SaaS and Cyrus, what was your journey going to market so from idea in your mind that we can change this world for the better and build the SaaS product to having it and having first couple customers how did you go about building the mvp what were the challenges what were the lessons learned what are the things you could share with founders who are at that stage and trying to make you know the best decisions yeah certainly oh blood i think that there will be like material for books in here and I'm sure every single founder who, you know, will, if, if you will record their journey, you know, there will be like thousands of books uh, written, but it's been, it's been, to say the least, is one of the most wonderful experiences that I had in my life, to say the least. And I'm being honest, is because it, it shows you something that you could never learn at, at an organization. And and what I mean by that is that as, as a founder and as going to this journey is you wear all the hats, you know, working for large organizations, even if you're in sales or marketing yes you might cross over into some sections but you do you stay in your lane in as a, as a founder you're doing it all marketing sales product you know technology customer interaction customer support and is tiring so i think that there is a lot of elements to consider you know uh, I'm, a, I'm an optimistic by nature so whenever I was telling my wife you know what i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna go and, and she's like how long do you think i'm like you know six months and then six months we'll be here and then in a year we'll be here. You can scratch that because <laughs> always plan to take longer and also it be, to be more expensive. But I think that that this is, you know, where there you have to find a balance. If you don't have a plan, you don't have a, a you don't have a, you know, an actual north. So you at least that plan to understand, hey, it's going to take me six months. And if it goes longer, at least you plan it and you work towards that. So I think that's, a, that's an important element. Um, now, you know, I'll tell you, uh, going into this journey, I, I I don't come from a technical background in the sense of like, I cannot code or develop software, but the beauty of it and, and the, in the world that we live on is that talent is available everywhere, whether it's, you know, Upwork or Fiverr or any organizations, you know, you can find, you can build something that it can be shared with organizations Maybe it's not the best thing, but at least it gives you that perspective. So I guess, Vlad, if, if there is one thing that, you know, I, I can share is speak with customers. Don't build without speaking to customers. Because in the moment that you build something that you think that these people need, that's one of the reasons, the, the biggest reasons why companies fail is because 
your perspective is a, is a piece of the pie and there is so much that you have not considered so for us uh, I'll tell you, and, and I think this, this is going to relate, even though we initially set out to build a, a meeting efficiency software and every single customer we talked to was interested in it, we didn't get traction. And we realized quickly because there was two reasons. Everybody hates meetings, but nobody wants to do anything about them. And two, there is not a champion. There is not a, an actual leader that handles meetings. So if you're talking about like, hey, I can reduce money in this, well, you talk to finance. So we were at, we were we would talk to organizations and they're like, yeah, amazing, talk to finance. And then finance, like, talk to operations, operations, talk to HR. And so we'll be move everywhere and never go. So we decided, you know what? There has to be a very specific sector that you have to address. And I think that that's one of the, you know, as a first-time founders, especially in tech, you wanna solve the world hunger with one solution. Don't do it. <laughs> Focus on one thing and a specific market and a specific customer, build, talk to them, build again, share, ship it, send it to the market, let people test it. And then you have found, you know, an actual uh, route to go. You know, th this is gold words. And I, and I hope SaaS founders hear it as well, because I actually teach everyone I work with. Every time I help founders build their MVPs, Every time, first time we meet it, like I have this like huge idea, like let's solve the world hunger in your words, right? Everything else, like who's your customer? Like everyone's my customer. I can help everybody. I'm like, no, <laughs> because especially the virgin founders, the ones who have experience, they know exactly what were their flaws. So I think if you were to start like again, you would probably go with like, let me know like specific person I need to talk to, not even like the company, but person in that company who would be, would be making that decision, would be making this happen. Because the moment you get specific about the people and their problem, the more specific you can you can solve that problem, right? You can also use it in the marketing when it comes to selling to them. It feels much more re related than just some thing from the shelf that has a million alternatives. It, it feels really solving a very particular thing that's meaningful to them. 100%, you know, uh, I think that's, that's one of the key elements is that I think that, you know, if you see the the... And I think that it comes with this kind of pressure and, 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 and I'll get to this moment in the sense that you see companies raising millions of dollars and, and addressing an, a, a massive time and you're like, well, I'm going to do that. It's like, yeah, but that's one in a million. Focus on staying in your lane. Focus on, on what you do and do it well. And then you can expand. Uh, somebody told me, it's like, build deep before you go wide. Uh, and and I think that's a, that's a very important element. You know, my mom is a, she raised me very strong and tough, and she she told me this: it's better to be good at one thing than mediocre at many. So do the product that you are building and the solution that you are building, do it good. Be the leader on that. Be the one that everybody goes to. And once you have captured that market, even if this is small market, you can go wider. But Vlad, let me tell you one thing though. There is this saying that uh, in Spanish, and I'm sure it relates in English, is smart people learn from their own mistakes. Wise people learn from others' mistakes. So I think that, you know, sometimes as, as a founder, you don't want to listen because you're like, I'm in my own journey. I'm going to discover things. And, and yes, all for it, because that's the way that you learn. But listen, listen to what others that have gone through that are showing you. And you can save a lot of work and a lot of tears and a lot of money just by doing that. 
there is a word that I hear a lot from version founders, and they say my business is different. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, I can do it differently. Like all people made this mistake. I, I'm, I'm sure it's not going to happen. You know, before it happens. So it's one of the reasons we have the show, so that people can relate to someone who is in the same journey as they are. Because if they hear it ten times, maybe they will start being more wise about it than smart. Yeah, um, maybe, maybe. <laughs> one, one thing that I'm curious, and a lot of founders will find it valuable, is you mentioned you're not technical, but Yet, when I have a product in the market, you have customers, you're working to closing some deals. How did you go about building that product? Like, what what kind of resources you used? What what helped you make it happen? Good, good, good question. So initially, I was set out to like, okay, I have the idea and and I know how to grow a business. I just need somebody to help me produce it. You know, to build it from idea to actual product. And and went through this journey of trying to find a co-founder. And, and, and again, that will be another book maybe that someday I will write. <laughs> and, and I was very adamant about finding somebody. And I was like, it had to be this person. And, you know, for, for what is worth, uh, it just, just didn't work out in that way. I initially, we had one, this person didn't work out in the best way. Then we had a, a different person and it just, it wasn't the right fit. So at, at that point, I was like, you know what? I can build this. I can build these myself uh, and maybe it will be a journey, but hey, I'm, I'm ready to learn. And and I look everywhere, Vlad, from, you know, uh, Europe to Asia to Latin America and companies that will, you know, we could outsource. And I, you know, I ask a lot of questions to founders that have worked. Hey, have you worked with people in Asia? And they were like, yeah but you should not do this. And then I was like, have you worked with uh, uh, companies in, in Europe? Yeah, but you shouldn't do this. And, you know, gathering all this intelligence, I kind of found myself really drawn to Mexico because one, the culture similar to mine, the language similar to mine, and myself being in Arizona, it was in the same time zone. So the hours that I worked, they were working. So for me, it was a perfect fit. And I'll tell you this, I quoted in the U.S., how much will be our MVP? And it was between four and five hundred thousand dollars. And I was like, I don't think I can I can do that. You know, and I have been very fortunate to have other businesses that support kind of my journey into Tardy and that I'm able to bootstrap this myself. But I wasn't willing to put that ma- amount of money without knowing that I can actually achieve something. Now, again, whenever I kind of work, started working with this company, it was this journey, again, of getting to know each other, of understanding. And this company has been wonderful. We still work with them. We go into cycles, you know, where whenever we need a bigger push, bring more people. And whenever we need to slow down, we just take one or two. So I think that, you know, that's one of the important elements. And a, a lot of people that are, you know, kind of have an idea, sometimes they don't want to go into these because they don't want to be alone. And I think that that that's one of the bigger elements, Vlad, that, you know, if I were to do this again in my second time and hopefully in a few years, I'm able to exit Tardy and, you know, kind of be happy about it and do it again. I have learned so much that I will certainly find somebody that is technical. Now, again, that doesn't that hasn't stopped me, but I think it will save me a lot of the time into learning those elements that I had to learn myself. But again, it was my journey and the journey that I had to go through. But I will say something. It's like, don't be afraid of, of using outsourcing companies. 
if you feel that they can actually take you where you need it to be. Um, you went through a specific company, you built your MVP, and you said you, you got a few customers and now you're working on the enterprise deals. Yeah. Uh, one thing that's really interesting here is not a lot of founders who I talk to do enterprise sales. You have experience, you know, like sales cycles are longer, there's some specific things to do. Because when you're selling to B2C, there's only one person. You're not really having any strategy, just talking to one person. When it's a B2B for small businesses, well, there's probably a decision maker that has a founder or CEO badge on their, on their chest. So you can kind of feel that. Mm-hmm. When it comes to enterprise, what are the fundamental differences between selling to small uh, companies and to, to enterprises? Man, that's another book, but <laughs> I'm, I'm full of books, but... There, it, there is so many differences. Now, keep in mind, for me, analyzing why we went straight to enterprise, it was because, again, the, big, the pain was bigger in enterprises. So it had to do, it, it wasn't only driven by the product, it was driven by the need. It was driven by the problem we were trying to solve. So again, do your research. Don't just like go and pretend that, you know, you can solve the world problem you know problems just by a good idea do your research talk to people talk to custom to potential customers get feedback and and be honest with yourself going back to your question Vlad I think that the the, the one of the main differences is is the length of time because you know in smaller organizations or you know consumers is like you talk to that person and that, that person makes a decision and says yes I like it or I don't or if you, you know, do to consumers, like you send, you know, marketing on emails and they just buy them if they like them or not. Does it? In enterprise deals, there is a very specific process from discovery to understanding the, the their pain to getting the insights of what's going to take uh, to solve the pain to going through all the hoops and red tape that enterprise has to getting approval by many departments to close in the deal. So I'll tell you, you know, I have been in deals where it takes 12 months, maybe sometimes 18. And somebody was telling me that, you know, there is a research that now is taking 24 months. Now, again, and, you know, some people are like, never mind, not, not going to enterprise. Now, again, let's let's talk about a, a deal with a small, you know, company. Maybe you're selling, you know, a SaaS solution and they have 50 people and you sell them, let's make a $10 a head. So then that's, you know, $500 a month. That's great. But how many do you need? How many of those companies do you need to actually move to the next level and to be attractive to if you want to go to the, you know, the VC route? Probably I would say, you know, maybe 100. Uh, So in my case, because I sold to enterprise and I understood that, it's like one means 100 or 200 of the little ones. So I'd rather spend my time in these. Again, not to say that I'm putting all my eggs in this basket, but I'm pursuing these because at the end of the day, I only need three or four of those until I'm in the next level. And then for me to hit the next level, maybe three or four more. And once that wheel kind of keeps going, I believe that, you know, it's going to be like this snowball that it will be hard for us to kind of stop. And it's just, hey, get ready for the for the ride. So, you know, I think that, again, it all depends on these. Uh, and it goes back to, to this timing. Uh, if you are ready, if you're like, okay, I'm going to 
spend these amount of money and then get this return in six months, maybe you shouldn't go to enterprise. I I was aware of this and I kind of planned to this. Now, I thought that it would take me a year. <laughs> it has taken me a little bit more, but I believe that, you know, pushing learning and understanding we are at this point. Now, I'll, I'll tell you this, Vlad. It, it's a, an interesting story, actually story. We assume, even before we were ready, we, before we start building, this enterprise company reached out to us. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, we, we made it. Not even, we have a product, we just have a website and we are about to start, you know, like a deal with this large enterprise. They call us, I don't even know, you know, but let, let's put, let's say January uh, 2021. And they we start getting demos. We did everything. They're like, okay, we, we want to do this. They disappear for a year. And I was like, <laughs> what happened? Like maybe eight months. And I would reach out, no response. I would reach out again. And then they come, they came back in eight months. They're like, we're ready. I'm like, okay, let's go. And we are we're doing everything. We're bending over backwards. We're doing every and we're about to sign the deal. And they're like, um, you're too small. And I'm like, well, you knew we were small. And they're like, yeah, you need to up your privacy. You need to up these. And I'm telling you, Vlad, that was a, a very low blow for us. Because again, it was it, I didn't consider that as a failure. It was a very big learning experience, but I was hoping that that would happen. Now, you know, that taught me so much in the sense that if I'm selling to enterprise, I should have focus on privacy. I should have focus on cybersecurity. So again, those lessons, you know, and, and somebody told me, it's like, well, I told you this. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> thank you. But I guess I didn't listen. So now, you know, fast forward a few months later, we're like, we are ready. We have certifications. We have done adjustments to our platform. But if unless we went through that journey, we wouldn't have learned. I, I really like your, your look at things that happened with you and your company over the course of since 2021. Uh, because a lot of times it's, it's easy to judge from the side and say, oh, that's a learning experience. That's fine. But when it happens to you, it's like, oh my God, you know, why did I deserve this? Like people are rejecting me and stuff. So I think it's, it also has some kind of bias because when challenges come to you, you take them as that's the end of the world because they're super close to you, right? But when you're judging from the, from the distance, maybe after that, it feels like that was really a great experience. And if not for that, you wouldn't learn. Completely agree. You know, uh, I think that I, I, I tried to go, Vlad, if being a founder, it is, it is not all about product, customer interaction and all that. I think that that's one of the key elements. And, and I try to express these to my fellow founders, like focus on yourself because this is a difficult journey. Focus on yourself, build, you know, a, emotional intelligence, uh, get a support system, uh, talk to people. It's a lonely journey because nobody understands, you know, you can talk to your wife, you can talk to your parents, you can talk to your brother and sister, unless they have done this, they don't really understand that journey. So I think that, you know, you have to take a, a, this, this, this journey through very entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. You actually have to be tough. You have to be tough because, you know, this, this idea of like, hey, you build your company and in six months you raise $10 million. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a utopia, you know, very well, it few happens. companies. It, it, it happens, happens, but it's so rarely. Correct. Yeah. 
but 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 it, it is you know in this one percent and i'm not saying it cannot happen to you or to me but i think that you have to be in the sense of like you have to be okay with things taking longer you know there is this saying is like it 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 is never about the, the 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 climbing the top it's about the journey so let the journey speak to you let the journey transform you let the journey mold you and let it make you who you need to be because later on you will say ah, that's why that happened and that's where you are because it actually the journey taught you all the tools and gave you all the elements that you needed to learn so you can be there now and perform at that capacity when it comes for you to learning those kind of identity shifts mindsets do you happen to read books about entrepreneurship yes i do i do i i read couple books i read couple books you know i have read a uh, traction is a was a good book really good book i have read this uh the one thing wonderful book but blood i think as, as i mentioned I think you cannot put entrepreneurship in this category alone because entrepreneurship takes everything that you are. So more specific for me than reading entrepreneurship books, I try to read full, you know, kind of development as a human. So for me, it's like very like being present, you know, this, this book of uh, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, and like elements that talk about deeper things that you just talk about like product or 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 you know like or con- customer interaction and and as i mentioned it's like focus on yourself so i i try to you know like uh, i try to be very uh, mindful and 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 real about things you know you can okay anyhow so <laughs> i could share well, a little bit uh, the power of now and other things that change your gears i also consider them a development book what do you think are the resources that helped you that impacted you in a great way to for you to become who you are today. Is it is it maybe some kind of books, inspirational speakers? What or who do you think contributed a lot to shaping you in the, in the entrepreneur that you are today and the person that you are today? Yeah, I think that it's the journey. It's the journey. Um, you know, uh, I grew up in a, I wouldn't say wealthy family, but we had everything we needed. And whenever I moved to the U.S., I struggle my way through college, pay myself, you know, the way and because my parents want me to be an, an, an engineer and I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm going into something else. So they they supported me, but in a sense of like, I'm on my own. So I'm, I'm saying this, Vlad, because it was the journey. It was the tough moments, the good moments, the lessons, everything has brought me to this very moment in my life where I know who I am. And and I know what I can do, but also the the the, the difficult elements. But like uh, you know, if if I wasn't like I I walk you through through a little story. Like you know, in the middle of a, I don't know, it was like 2018, working for this large company, making the millions. I was making millions. Well, not millions, but I was making a lot of money uh, because you know, in sales, uh, getting commission from those deals, uh, traveling all over the world. I was, we weren't happy. My wife and I weren't happy. We live close to New York, and you know, I never thought, and I've heard the stories that people get, you know, like uh, let go or fire for you know bad performance or things, and I'm like, that will never happen to me. You know, I'm a high performer, and and I at that moment, my life was based. And my self-worth was based on what I could do. I was a high performer. I made a lot of money. And I had this 
hide role. That got stripped away. They told me I was making too much money. It was soul crushing. But I was, if if there is, you know, one of the things that actually shaped me the most was that that experience. Because it took everything that I thought was real and it took it away. It showed me really what, what was important and who I, what I needed to do to become the person that I am now. You know, my self-worth never now, now it never comes from the things that I can achieve or the things that I can do or the money that I can make. So I think that my drive comes from a, a completely different element. And that's why, you know, I I know that I'm going to achieve what I have set my side into, not because of just I'm this amazing founder, I have this amazing idea, but because my drive doesn't come from things that are, you know, kind of coming and going. It comes from a deeper perspective. So I hope that that answered your question. That's very deep. That's very deep. I, I, I'm getting a lot of self-reflection self reflection as well from, from, from the story. So thank you for sharing. Um, yes, sir. Andres, before we will be wrapping our conversation today, the question I always like to ask is, if you were to go, to go back in time, let's say maybe two to five years, and, and tell yourself some one, one important concept about what's going to happen, about life, about lesson. If, if it's just like one thing that you could teach your younger self about, what that would be? I have one thing. Now, I, I guess because it's a deep question, a very philosophical question, I'm going to answer in two ways. One, in the, in the most realistic way, in the sense like you can never go back because going back and changing things will change who you are at this very moment. So you will take away what is actually building that person that you are now. So you wouldn't be where you are now. Uh, so now going back into a like more philo- philosophical question, assuming that there is no time and matter, you know, and all those elements is being present, being present. I think that once you're present, you take the power from the future away and from the past away. And what do I mean by that? You're not concerned about making it and becoming this you know, billion dollar founder because it is it, not there yet. But also you don't abide in the failures of the past. You are present here right now, giving your all and committing your 100% of your heart, soul and mind into this task that you're doing. And, and you're giving it all to your business. You're giving it all to your family. You're giving it all to your team. I think that will be the, 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 the what I would tell my, my younger self is just being present, value that moment because it will never happen again. A lot of self-reflection from my side. I, I'm, I'm currently practicing and learning how to be more present currently with my family because I'm trying to be that you know, next level entrepreneur to provide for the family to get us to the, to the next place. But uh, we, I find personally myself sometimes losing myself in the present meaning that I'm not living in the present. I'm trying to think of what's going to happen tomorrow and missing everything that happens today, basically. So, and that kind of hamster wheel, always looking for next step. You're always missing like half of your life. So exactly, um, exactly. I'm, I'm really blessed for having a family, having a wife that constantly gets me back to that because she is absolutely present. And she, a lot of times pulls me, pulls me from that, for the, from that wheel and shows me that life is now. Not in the past or mm. the future, but but it's now. So um, I'm working on that, and this is why it deeply connects. Deeply connects with what you said. I'm glad. I'm glad. I you know I believe that again as 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 humans, what we do is a very small sliver 
is is it it takes a whole human to build a company. It doesn't take an entrepreneur. It takes a human, and and we are spirit, we're soul, we're mind, we're body. So you know all those elements. That's what makes you, I believe, a a good entrepreneur. Taking care of yourself, taking care of your body, sleeping good, uh, having a good routine, exercising. You know all those things. Uh, so uh, I think that, but being present it also helps you focus on, on, on what you need. Cause if you listen to your body, if you listen to your mind, if you listen to your soul, then you're like, ah, this is what I need in this very moment. I like this saying that says help yourself before you help others in the sense that you need to be able to take care of yourself, uh, to be taking care of your mental health, physical health, to be, to be in the best, in, in the best shape and the best form you can be before you can help others. Because if you, if you're not paying attention to what, to what and who you are, you won't be able to impact much, much lives outside of that. Completely that's agree. What I found. That's what I found yeah. true. Um, well, that's why, you know, you're, you, you fly a lot. So they, what they tell you with your masks, put your mask first before you even help your wife or daughter. Because that's the truth. If you are 100% good, you can actually give. But if you are not 100%, you're giving little things to people. Might as well not give anything. <laughs> Andres, um, to wrap up our, our conversation today, which is much deeper than the normal size conversations are, but this is <laughs> this is just right for people who need to hear this. To wrap up, what do you think will be the concluding thoughts? If assassins are listening to this, could just pick like one thing from our conversation, just one thing to remember. What do you think is a great idea, the the final idea we could we can conclude on? About our, about our conversation, entrepreneurship is difficult. <laughs> and and it's like, whoa. No. It is difficult, but it's worthwhile. And nothing that is easy is, is, is unattainable, like, you know, like microwave. You think about like popcorn, you know, microwave popcorn. It tastes like rubber. <laughs> but if you make it actually in a little machine or in your pan, it actually tastes good. It's, it's... So, so think about that of your own journey. The ups and downs is what makes it worthwhile, is what makes it memorable, is what makes it interesting. So enjoy the journey. Enjoy this journey and 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 hopefully you're able to experience it with other people along uh so i you know just just be there be there be there for that up but also be there for that down because it's going to happen andres sikcha everyone uh andres i thank you so much for this episode and for this meaningful conversation Vlad, thank you for the time and i appreciate this opportunity to share more you know in the deeper uh meaning of for me, what, what entrepreneurship is. So I appreciate this. Thank you. Sass Insiders, for those who would like to connect with Andres, and I'm sure we'll have a few, we will leave his uh, social links and other contact details he will be sharing with us in the description to the episode so that you can connect and hopefully make something happen. And we will see you in the next episodes. Mm-hmm.